0: Welcome to episode fifty-seven of the Pirate Monk Podcast. All Coming right. to you live, uh, simulcast. Yeah. From uh, Studio A. Mm-hmm. Do we get to be Studio A today? Yes, the upper room is Studio A today. All right, high above the Mellow Mushroom in downtown Metropolitan, Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, almost live.
1: We're almost live. Aren't okay, almost. We? Yeah, about six hour delay. All right, I'm Nate Larkin Mondo. At, at
2: this exact moment, we're very live.
0: <laughs> Mondo and I are holding down the fort here in the volunteer state. Yeah. And joining us from the land of fruits and nuts there on the left coast, in the central part of the left coast, uh, the Commodore, Aaron Porter. Hey, Aaron.
2: Hey, good morning. Am I a fruit or a nut? What are you saying? <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here trying to figure out what you meant by that.
0: <laughs> I meant nothing. I only meant that that California is an agricultural state. Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: oh, okay, all yeah, right, yeah. fair enough. Okay. Well, happy Holy Week to both of you. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much.
2: How's uh, your How's your Holy Week been? Oh, it's, it is great. We have our uh, evening devotionals where each night we extinguish one of six candles as we read about the Passion Week. So on the last night, we sit in total darkness, for darkness thinks it has won. Ooh. And then Easter morning, we can really bust out. So we spend the week trying to get our hearts uh, broken so, yeah. that, so that Resurrection Day feels like... It is the best holiday of the year. That's that cool. is fantastic. Yeah, that's cool, man. I, I am going to try to uh, try to fake a Passover seder with the church.
0: Yeah, this is what I heard. Do you have your yarmulke? Uh,
2: that's a good. That's a good point. See, every time I call people, they tell me things. Uh, uh. All right. Good. Good. Thank you. I'll get a yarmulke. Okay. I will, I will get the plush toy of the Seder. That, okay. Isn't it half goat? Isn't it half goat, <laughs> half something? Yeah. Uh, Pete Gall asked if I was reading anything from the Marquis of Seder during the service. <laughs> <laughs> so it's. I'm so glad to talk to everyone who has helpful hints for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, that's cool. I mean, the, uh, the Seder meal is... Uh, There's so many layers of meaning and so much connection uh, to the Christ story in the Passover story that just goes over the head of most of us Gentiles. Uh, So you're going to unpack that for some of the folks there in San Luis?
2: We're going to try to do the dual thing where we actually have the meal and unpack uh, Christ and the Passover. So the the wow. teaching part's the easy part. I've done this with my kids in the past, and it was pretty lame. Yeah. Uh, so then we started bringing the Jews for Jesus in, and they do the unpacking part, which is awesome. They're so yeah. good. Um, so now we're gonna try to combine both of them.
0: Oh, nice. That's cool, man. Excellent. Yeah.
2: Excellent. We'll see. What are your guys's plans?
0: Well, I'm getting on a plane on Monday, Thursday, in uh, Nashville, and I'll get off a plane good friday evening in uh see where do i land right next to mount kilimanjaro in tanzania yeah and uh, no. yeah so i'm going to celebrate easter with some african believers yeah in tanzania how cool is that that's pretty doggone that, cool
2: that that is cool you just you just spun that in a good way before it was like you were skipping easter Yeah. Now
0: <laughs> <we figure laughs> it <out>. yeah exactly <laughs>
2: No, oh, I mean it is it elephant. is a it
0: is a global holiday, Aaron.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I, you, I really I really did put it in the same category as uh, Thanksgiving. So I just pictured everybody else outside of America misses out on the <laughs> Resurrection Day, which is the arrogance of an American. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, so do I, go ahead. Do they do do they do Easter egg hunts and things in uh, Tanzania, or do they just
0: stick with uh, you know celebrating Jesus? Uh, no, I think they hunt um, Easter leopards, actually, in Tanzania. <laughs> they man, just hide wonder, leopard wonder... cubs around and send the children to find them. Uh, I, I want to know who dips those guys and <laughs> die
2: the night before. That's, that is no. a brave African right there.
0: <laughs> oh, That's
1: crazy. What, so how long are you going to be there, man?
0: Uh, just, just one week. We scaled it way back. I okay. was going to be there for three weeks. Oh, wow. And uh, the plan was to go on a on a safari into the Ngorongoro crater and on uh, the Serengeti. And then I realized I would be out of This is terrible. Mm. I had to I had to cancel a safari after I paid for it. Um <laughs> oh, God. because I would I would not be able to get on the internet for 6 days. Ooh. Uh, that, oh. That's crazy. That's wrong. Out of,
1: something out of is that a line Absolutely there? Absolutely wrong.
0: Yeah, I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> yeah. <I> don't neither. <laughs> So 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 the uh, the trip was truncated. I'll be only a week there. And I'm looking forward did to seeing you say Kenzia. did
2: you say the trip would be truncated?
0: Yes. Like an elephant truncated. Yes. I did did you get I, that? I, I got it faster than you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, interestingly, I studied at Nairobi University in 1975. And during the course of my semester there spent uh, a week in Tanzania. Actually climbed Kilimanjaro as a kid. Wow. So um, I get to go back and see the place 35 years later, and I'm eager to see how much has changed. Hmm. I'm, I'm betting not much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, well, well that's one guess. improvement is there's actually an airport there now. Uh, you know, we can actually land. Uh, 35 years ago, we went overland by Jeep, and that was rough. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh Oh, when you said
2: that you can actually land, I just pictured that they threw you out of the plane. They (laughs) kept it as low as they could, but you couldn't (laughs) land back
0: then. (laughs) Okay, well, uh, this is going to be... uh, a good time. I'm glad by the way that we could we could meet today. I was supposed to be in New York and we had to cancel that trip. Man. Okay. I went through a back out so we get
1: to do a podcast this week. That's I had cool. not expected it. And Aaron's not on the phone in a car stuck in traffic <laughs> on the 405. That is a good thing. That is yeah. a good thing. <laughs> yeah, man.
0: So, uh we got a great guest coming up Ian Cron. Uh, so excited to have him on. We're going to do a mini meeting. Yes. Uh, a good time we're going to have here on the Pirate Monk podcast. We'll be back in just a moment
3: we ho
2: Welcome back to episode 57 of the Pirate Monk podcast. We have a great interview coming up. With Ian Cron, but first, but the first, mini-meeting.
1: The mini-meeting. Yeah, I've missed the mini-meeting. We didn't do it on the last show. No, we didn't, yeah. but uh, it's been a while. i actually had uh, quite a few requests from some of the uh, some of the guys I've been running into.
0: Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's good. All right, well, my brother,
0: you in charge?
2: Here it is. Welcome to this meeting of the mini-meeting of the Samson Society. We're a company of Christian men who are also natural loners who've recognized the dangers of isolation or determined to escape them, natural wanderers who are finding spiritual peace and prosperity at home, natural liars who are finding freedom in the truth, natural judges who are learning how to judge ourselves aright, natural strong men who are experiencing God's strength as we admit our weakness. We have now reached the sharing portion of this mini-meeting. And sharing, we speak honestly out of our own experience. We tell the truth about ourselves, knowing that our brothers will listen to us in love and will hold whatever we say Ian, in strictest, strictest confidence. 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 <laughs> do you
0: still do that? We do that, right. man. Everybody says strictest oh, confidence at our meeting.
2: We try to keep our comments brief, taking care to leave plenty of time for others. We address our statements to the group as a whole rather than directing them towards any one person. As a rule, we refrain from giving advice to others or instructing them during the meeting, believing that such conversations are best reserved for private moments between friends. The suggested topic today is sin. Sin. But we're not confined to that subject. Holy
0: smokes. You may speak about
2: any issue that's currently commanding your attention.
0: Why don't you pick something I know something about?
2: Yeah. I wanted wanted to explore the unknown realms. That's all. It's like an an expedition. Mm.
0: Really? I I don't think I've ever had this as a topic.
1: Me neither. Yeah, I haven't either. It's so huge. It's like the... What's interesting is that's probably part of the reason why we're all here in the first place. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I guess we're going to do the mini-meeting. Yeah.
2: Who's jumping in? I I do like, Nate, that you've now moved your face out of the Skype screen
0: again. Oh, man. All right. Okay. (laughs) Who's going first on sin? I'm not going. Oh, I'll
1: go. Okay, go ahead. I'll go. Uh, hi, Mondo. Hi, my name is Mondo. Hey, Mondo. Hi, Mondo. Um, uh, recently, I've been thinking about sin and uh, the, the small sins that we tend to overlook. Um, in my own life, uh, I've been uh, pride has been one mm-hmm. that uh, I know it's you know we know of it, but there's little things in conflict resolution with your spouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 will to want to be right and not let go of that mantle uh, to to turn the knife when you shouldn't have used the knife in the first place mm. those those types of things uh, uh you know of course it's, it's not going out and you know killing somebody or doing mm-hmm. something drastic you know or yeah. But it's it's those little bitty things. Even but a lot of it, it's not things that I actually did. It's things I was thinking, mm-hmm. and I felt convicted about that. Actually, actually happened just yesterday, and uh, partly last night. And uh, it's it's one of those things where I felt really convicted, just just as much as I felt convicted about other things that've happened in my life that have been exposed. Yeah, um, I thought it was pretty powerful. Uh, it was a it was a definite. Different kind of encounter with God that I had, you know, on th- issues like that before. Yeah, um, it's something that, you know, only I was dealing with. Yeah, I was dealing with it in my head and my heart, but the same conviction yeah. was was just tearing me up. Yeah, and because I I had the thought to say something, yeah. to prove a point or yeah. to to drive it home and um, and really it, it, it revealed a heart issue at the time. Yeah, and. It wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do yeah it was where it was coming from Mm -hmm. Uh, it took me a minute to get there of course I didn't have that epiphany you know five minutes into it 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 took a few hours for God really just to work me you know Um, so I started viewing personally sin in a different way it's not that thing that you know sin is not something that it's only sin when you get caught and I think a lot of a lot of us think it's sin when it's revealed Mm-hmm. Well, there's a whole lot of things going on within the heart, uh, within your mind, between that, you know, between those two ears, that I highly believe are qualified as a sin as well. Um, that you know, I mean the Lord knows what's going on with you, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, so I I, th- I think the sin in a, in a big way has has uh, as of last night, man, really like 12 hours ago, uh, has really. Uh, Always, you always know those things, but it's different when it's you. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I really feel that it's taken on a different meaning, man. And um, just just doing, you know, it's caused some self evaluation on some things, some pride issues, which I think is a big thing of where all that stuff was coming from. Uh, and and I think grace, mercy, all those things, as far as the topic we were talking about, it was, in a little, little selfishness in there on my part too, of, you know. Why don't you see it this way? You know, are you retarded? Mm-hmm. How, well, how can how can you not see it this way? You know what I mean? I'm thinking that, mm-hmm. um, but realizing that she's not me, she hasn't, doesn't have my same experiences, they're not made of the same you know substance, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's very selfish and not a selfless approach to communicating and to uh, to understanding I mean some th- the, you know people say I agree to disagree or you know, some things I'm just not going to understand I'm, maybe I'm not supposed to ever understand everything and coming to grips with that um, and understanding that you know what some things are just going to be clueless on and just deal with it um, but uh, but there's a lot of a lot of a lot of sin in there that was <laughs> really been tackling me on, on a very micro level uh, internally uh, uh, just with those small things so uh it's funny you asked that or you make pick the topic then, cuz uh, <laughs> it, it literally has been on my brain the last last 12 hours so so my name is Mondo. Thanks, Thanks
2: Mondo, Mondo. and clearly you. that was just for you so we're going to go to break now. Oh.
0: Uh <laughs> <laughs> nice job. <Yeah. laughs> Look, you picked the topic,
2: you're stuck with the topic. Exactly. You got to go now, man. <laughs> All right, fine. I'm I'm Bill. Hey Bill. <laughs> uh yeah i have been uh, this was not a premeditated topic i just came to mind and i realized i have never done this topic in the many years i've been doing this and i think i'm very torn right now between two understandings in my own heart Uh, i totally get that though i am a new creature in christ i still live in this vehicle of flesh So the fact that I still love, I mean, I don't just sin, I love sin. I really kind of relish it, a part of me. And that's the body of flesh part. And when I think in those terms, then it's pretty easy to stay in a gospel identity kind of mindset. But more recently, it's been a pretty hard season, and... I think I really, the reason that sin has been appealing in the last four months is not just because I live in a body of flesh that I have to fight against and and buffet the flesh and all that, but it's because I'm angry with God and just like the serpent in the garden, trying to convince eve that god is not actually good i think that is that's kind of something that i've been feeling and i didn't realize how much when you let that in that just that makes sin a lot harder because it's not just that it's attractive to my flesh it's that it's almost like revenge on god who's withholding goodness Mm. It's kind of my one it's my one revenge mm. and that kind of sucks to think that that's anywhere inside of me that uh just just being angry with god you, you always know you're going to be wrong and so it always sucks to be angry with god for that reason because you know when it's done playing out he's going to be right but even though you feel it that he's going to be right it's just uh it's hard sometimes to go through seasons where that loud voice in your head says, come on, couldn't couldn't God do better for you in this? So that's what I'm thinking about, sin.
0: Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. I'm Nate. Hey, Nate. Hey, Nate. Uh, yeah, I've been thinking a lot. Uh, I've been really grateful the last couple of days that God loves sinners. Um, but also very aware lately that I have been trying to position myself in a different place. I really would like other people to think of me, and I would like to think of myself as a former sinner, which I can only do if I really restrict the definition of sin to a few certain behaviors that I've you know, determined that I'm going to avoid. Um And just really struck me yesterday, uh, thinking over what I'm going to share with some preachers in Africa next week, um, how, you know, Jesus during his ministry was so attracted to and attractive to uh, those who were in touch with their sin, Um, and he just he just loves sinners. But the people who didn't like him, and the people he didn't like. Uh, were those who were so blind to their own brokenness that they actually thought they weren't sinners anymore. And they were the people who, on a moral level, were behaving. Um, and they were not guilty of those, you know, grosser, uh, you know, sins of the flesh that, you know, uh, that, that all those, uh, you know, friends of Jesus were guilty of. These were morally upright, intelligent uh, and in their own way sincere, although deluded people um, who really thought that Christianity is morality and the point is to be a good person and they were getting to be pretty damn good. Uh, but in their perceived goodness was this you know, blindness to their own arrogance, their own condescension the way in which they just walked past wounded people and didn't see them Uh, uh, you know they're just insensitivity to the plight of the uh, of the poor and the dispossessed Um, and they just walked around with this pious self congratulations and I hate uh, to admit that I see in myself that same kind of smugness and it's a dangerous thing. It's such a dangerous thing. The truth is that that my wounding runs deep and my sinful response to my wounding runs deep. Um, you know, the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. <laughs> I, you know, my woundedness goes so far. It has not erased the face of God uh, and the image of God. I, I And I am... A, a restored son of the sovereign Lord. My identity is in Christ, not in my brokenness. Uh, but I think I can only see that true identity as I'm willing to accept and admit my sinfulness in detail. And it's it's very much for me. Although I'm let's I'm not saying that I'm a post lust person. That is not the case. It's not like that battle's over. It's not. Uh, but. I am still I'm spiritually arrogant I I, I tend to have this uh, walk around with this idea that I really understand you know uh, all the important truths of the Christian faith and I've got something to teach everybody and other people don't really have that much to teach me with a few exceptions um that's sin um I have still a, an alarming lack of compassion uh, that is sin. Um, I'm still, I have an instinct toward dishonesty. I'm a very careful liar these days. I, I, I lie like, like a lawyer, I think. There's a, way to, there's a way to tell the truth with not, there's a way to lie while telling the truth. I think um, there's a way to spin things just to make them a little better, and I'm a master at that. Uh, and of course, the person I'm most uh, willing to lie to is myself. Um, so I, I, I'm 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 hoping to get a clearer view of my own sin. I know that the greater my sin, the greater the cross. The bigger the cross, the greater the cross. You know, the greater my sin, the greater my salvation. The greater my salvation, the greater my joy. It's true, uh, but I have to be willing to admit each day uh, that that I'm a sinner, man. I am a sinner. That's not that's a description of me. It's not a definition of me. I am uh, I'm a redeemed sinner, and I'm 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 a son of the sovereign Lord. But Um, I've got to be willing to own that brokenness in order to be a Christian, to walk in faith, to walk in a righteousness that's not my own. And uh, it's a a battle. It's a bigger battle now than I think it was 12 years ago, 13 years ago, when I first walked through the doors of a 12-step meeting to get help for a sex addiction. I was much more aware of my need for a Savior then. Uh, I think I was much more compassionate then. Uh, There is something that comes with perceived moral progress that is ugly, and I hate to see it myself. That's me.
2: Thanks, thanks, Nate. And we will be right back with... If
4: the daylight burns And your well runs dry, and the sun will turn, and your harvest dies. It's all right. Say with me, it's all right. The tempest comes And the levees fall And the waters rise And you lose it all It's all right Say with me it's all right. Cause if the Lord is standing with us then we are not alone, we
0: are not alone. Um, I need to tell our listeners, this is Ian Cron. Do, uh, do I pronounce it Cron or Crone? This is terrible. I've heard it both it's ways wrong. here in town. No, cron. You, you, no
5: you've got it just right. It's Cron.
0: Yeah. Um, author of the bestseller Chasing Francis, uh, a wonderful book, uh, a fictional account of, a, of a, a preacher named Chase from New England, who, uh, anyway, I, that, that? what a great story about uh, his encounter uh, through the uh, with uh, Saint Francis and and new spirituality, there a great read. But what I'm most excited about is a book due to come out ju- in early June, isn't it, Ian?
5: Yep, June 7th is the release date.
0: Okay, a book called catch, you catch this title. This is awesome. Jesus, my uh, my father, the CIA, and me. Did I get that wrong? Uh, a memoir of of sorts. That's right. And you what a great memoir wow. it is! Wow, that's uh, cool. uh, what a what a treat this story, um, <clears throat> Ian. Uh, I really do believe that all of us come from dysfunctional families. I know my kids came from a dysfunctional family. Uh, I came from one. Um, some less functional than others. Uh, and you tell the story of your upbringing, and this uh, just Crazy, uh, but in its own way, wonderful family that God saw fit to plant you in. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm
2: curious what, what was behind you deciding to do this book next? Ooh.
5: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think, I think one piece of it was, um, I did it the year I turned fifty. Ah, and um, I think there was a connection between the impulse to write the book and my half-century mark. You know, um, I like what uh, Ronald Rollheiser, I heard him give a talk once. He said that the first half of life can be compared to the parable of the talents, where you know it's all about proving yourself, making dividends on your gifts and talents, and you know, leveraging it all to somewhat for the purposes of self you know, aggrandizement or promotion.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um,
5: but the second half of your life is characterized by the the parable of the prodigal son mm. and about forgiveness and redemption and the finding of your soul. So I like that idea, right? Parable of the talents, first half of your life, prodigal son, the second. These are two different kind of focuses and or foci, I should say. So for me, as I move into the season of the prodigal, son of forgiveness and coming home, uh, I felt like this was a good launch to to do that. Mm. Mm.
2: Have you had any help in the past with dealing with your identity through this relationship with your father? Have you had other people kind of investing in that, or has this been a solo journey?
5: No, I've had more therapy than Woody Allen. (laughs) <laughs>
2: in fact he gave me the number of six different counselors <laughs>
5: yeah no in all seriousness I, you know i've had some great um people along the way you know god has always provided either um a great spiritual director uh a great counselor um who has at different moments in my life as i've as I've stepped in different puddles of grief at different moments in my life. Um, it's helped me to to figure it out. Um, and uh, so I've I'm, I'm been very fortunate that way.
0: Wow, puddles of grief. What a great phrase. You know, the topic at our Samson meeting here in Franklin last night was loss. And mm-hmm. in, in our sharing group... Um, you know, six guys talked about the losses in our lives. I, I mm-hmm. remember, I remember a, a guy early on in recovery telling me that at the heart of the recovery journey is grief.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you- I actually think that
5: the heart of the recovery of every man is grief, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It, or, it, or it is the it is the hardest piece of of healing for men to access. Yeah. Um, they, they're much better at defaulting to anger yeah. Um, which is a feeling of power and control versus grief which is a feeling of potential uh, or what, what is in their mind um, uh, an openness to destruction and to weakness Yeah. Mm. Um, so men would rather talk about their anger than their grief yeah. any day of the week but the grief is where the money is Yes, that's what that's where the money is.
2: Well, I I really saw that uh, when you're talking in the book about needing needing a certain confession from your dad, and and mm-hmm. his kind of pathetic version of that confession. So mm. how uh, was was that a part of you having to grieve not getting that? Yeah,
5: I mean I think uh, you know we all want to hear our parents or, or make contact, I think, with our parents' weakness and humanity. Um, we we idealize our parents. Our parents are our first uh, impression of who God is. Um, and uh, they are iconic of, you know, some kind of perfection until you're about to, you know, unless, yeah. you, know you you do have a very difficult child. You figure out pretty early on that. But even then, they're idealized. Um, so I, I, I think I've told my kids and others before, I think that at some point in every parent's life, they need to sit their kid down and they probably need to do this more than once. But after the age of let's say, you know, 14 and say, look, I have already made mistakes that you don't even know about yet in your life. Yeah. For which I want you to know I'm already Sorry for, and I asked your forgiveness for.
3: Yeah,
5: I think mean, you got to do that, uh, you know, time and again.
0: Yeah, in
5: yeah. the life of
0: your children. Yeah, I have had that conversation so many times with my kids, and uh, we continue to have it. And now, my kids, my youngest kids, are crossing the thirty mark, and they're starting to see it. Hey, mm-hmm. I want to read um, just a section from the new book. One of many. I, I, I love this book. Uh, a great book like a great speech has got you laughing and one minute crying the next. You've got a great gift for a turn of phrase and, and uh, uh, you know, you make me chuckle, make me smile. And then you do stuff like this. Uh, here's a scene where I think you're 10 or 11 years old. You've played a solo at a school concert that neither of your parents was there to hear. Uh, your mother had been working out of town. She's forced to work now because your dad is drinking heavily, uh, is not supporting the family. Dad's home drunk. Uh, and so, you know, she's going to tend to him. She's not going to. At any rate, so it's evening. You're in the house al- alone with your dad. Your dad is mm-hmm. drunk, he's in the living room.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You, uh, you're in the bedroom, uh, and you're in touch with this this grief uh you got your face in your pillow you're starting to cry and so you write this uh is that you is that you crying my father called he was reading in his chair in the living room just down the hall from my bedroom his words were garbled and hard to understand like he was talking underwater no i called back which was a ridiculous answer since anyone with half a brain could tell from my constricted voice that i was crying then there was silence I held my breath and waited for my father to come down the hall. I imagined him sitting on the head of my bed, on the edge of my bed, stroking my forehead and asking me what was wrong. I wanted to tell him that I-, I would do anything if he would just stop drinking. I wanted to tell him that I was sorry for not being a good enough son, for being such a disappointment to him. If he would just tell me what I had to do to make him stop drinking, I would do it. If he would just come and sit on my bed and look at me, I would tell him that even though I was already 11, he could start life all over again, or we could start life all over again. He could be like my friend Phil's dad. We would go to the barber shop on Saturday, and he could run his hand through my freshly cut hair to get the stubble out, and then we could spend the day together playing baseball or washing the car. Instead, I heard the sound of a page turning, and then another. He was not coming to sit on my bed. My father had gone back to reading. Um, such a such a small episode, one that, uh, you know, for most of us would have gone, uh, I, I think I had many such moments in my life, most of which I've forgotten. It's a gift, but it awakens something in me to read that scene, Ian. Um, and I know as I talk with other guys in the Samson Society that that um, all of us, no matter how great our dads were, how, much, how well-intentioned, uh, all of us carry wounds, um, something like this one. Can you tell us more about uh, your dad's passed on, by the way, uh, and you tell <laughs> great stories about his funeral uh, and all the mysterious men who attended. Uh, are you still processing your relationship with your dad, Ian?
5: Yeah, I mean, I there's no question I'll ever stop. Um, I I think not a, not a day goes by when when some memory of uh, some fragment some uh, uh memory you know, passes through my mind about about him, and they don't necessarily devastate me. send me to my knees, but uh you know, just a, a passing memory and uh, there's always a a processing of that primary relationship that doesn't doesn't end. It's almost like when you go to the museum, if you were to go look at the David, you know at you look at the front of it to begin with, and then as your life evolves, let's say. You, you walk around it and you see the same piece of work, but from different angles.
3: Mm. In,
5: in the same way, I walk around my relationship with my father and I, I see it from different angles as I've gotten older. And, and, and I hope as I get older, the, the angle continues to soften my heart in the direction of someone who was, uh, you know, terribly broken mm-hmm. and incapable of of seeing anybody beyond himself uh, for reasons of his own upbringing mm-hmm. and uh, pathology. So, you know, yeah, it's a forever deal,
2: for sure. Here's, here's a question kind of based on that excerpt and that answer. Um, as Nate was reading, you know, Dad sitting in the living room reading, I was picturing in my own mind that sometimes I do things uh, when my kids are upset that aren't what my kids want. But that Ann Sexton quote, I think at the beginning of the second or third chapter, just slew me. Uh, it, I can only paraphrase it. It's something like it doesn't matter who my dad was. It matters who I saw my dad to be.
5: Yeah, Who I remember him to be. Who I remember him to be, yeah.
2: And, uh, oh, what a – I mean, for – for a father. That is a terrifying reality. And mm-hmm. so I just, as as Nate was reading that story, I was definitely picturing you, but then that huge question in my mind, what was actually going through your dad's head at that moment? And I wonder, as you've gotten older, as you've had children, how has that changed or has it changed any of those memories mm-hmm. to, to include, wow, I wonder if and kind of has given you a bigger narrative by which to interpret him.
5: Well, I mean, you know, absolutely. Uh, you know, I can remember one time being at the beach with my son Aiden, who at the time was around maybe five or six. And I was not having one of my, you know, uh, narcissistic, self referential, Irish melancholy moments where. I was going along the beach, wistfully thinking about my own brokenness, you know. It was Mm -hmm. just me and the boy, you know, walking the beach, you know. And he was dancing and chucking rocks in the water, and um, I had this moment of clarity that God gives to each of us infrequently, at least to me, but they come every now and then. And they come out of the blue. I, um, I looked at him, and I had this sudden epiphany, realization that at one time my father was precisely the child that my son Aiden was. Mm. That he danced, skipped, threw rocks in the water, laughed, giggled, you know, he did all of those things. But in my mind, because of my experience of him, I never it never dawned on me that he was once that innocent and that tabula rasa, that blank of slate, you know, mm-hmm. spiritually and psychologically. And, um, and that he was beautiful and good and funny and, uh, and winsome and playful. I had, you remember, my first memories of him were Darth Vader. Yeah. And so I, you know, for me, that's where life began for him. It, it didn't begin before that. So that epiphany w- was one of many that, that softened my heart in his direction. Um, and it was very helpful to suddenly realize, you know, something happened along the way. I mean, nobody gets in a line up in heaven that says, hey, where's the drunk and lousy father line? Mm-hmm. I, I want to get in that line, you know? Yeah. that's the assignment I want, you know. Um, but you know, something happened him along the way that made him the person that he was, and uh, he did not have the equipment to, you know, he, he was not constitutionally capable of being honest with himself. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so, you know, he's like never found, uh, never found its own place of healing. So, I'm not sure if I answered your question
0: entirely but um, that's good I, yeah yeah uh, let me ask you this uh, in, in in one of life's great ironies and so many of us do this you you found that uh later later in life uh as mm-hmm. a as a young young man i don't know whether you had kids yet um, uh, unconsciously <sighs> without intending to do it planning to do it uh you were repeating your father's patterns uh huh and, uh, and it was a great friend and spiritual director who had uh, the courage and uh, the care, the compassion to confront yeah. in a loving way your drinking mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, can, can you tell us a little bit about that the mo- the, is, do you see that as a pivotal moment in your life?
5: oh my gosh, huge um i mean it it, it saved my life Mm. uh i mean potentially uh you know um first of all i do think that the proclivity toward addiction exists in everybody in fact i mean let's face it everybody is a seething cauldron of addictions yes The the the, the early church fathers called them attachments Mm. and in fact said that they were the primary nemesis of the development of the human soul. Mm. Um, Which is a a separate conversation, but that just underlines how serious they are, whether it's to ESPN or to Smirnoff's or to pornography or to whatever it is. Yeah. Right? So, um, you know... uh, I had a spiritual director who fortunately was a recovering alcoholic. Several things all happened in the same year. My father died primarily from drinking. My, those two, the friends I mentioned in the book got sober who had been old drinking friends. And, um, uh, I sort of fell into this depression, uh, slash, you know, with, with heavy anxiety in it, which only geometrically made my drinking worse. And, um, you know, there was somebody who in my life could identify it and name it, Mm. and who helped me to see too. by the way. And and let me just put this maybe in the context of pornography. I mean, I have have about a thousand addictions. Fortunately, one of them is not pornography Mm -hmm. uh, uh, or gambling. I've managed to stay away from two. (laughs) 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 Everything else, I have. Yeah, Um, yeah. But, but, but I like, I'm going to use this because there's a good word for it. Yeah, I think with pornography, in as much as I understand it, uh, secondhand, what is happening is simply an eroticizing of the desire for God. Yeah. It is a displaced desire. And so, at one level, and it's going to sound nutty, it's an indication of, this desire to have a unitive knowledge of god some kind of ecstatic experience some kind of uh, experience of god that goes beyond that actually enters into dare i say the mystical mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we're looking for union right that's yeah. pretty profound stuff and in i think in part drinking it's just no different you're you're uh taking a substance that um is uh, trying to help you find that which is your ordinary destiny, mm. union with God, but you're doing it on your terms, not God's. Yeah. And, and you're doing it in a way where you get to stay in control of it, not God. Yeah. And so it's a shortcut, and as you know... It's a shortcut to Egypt and slavery. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what you discovered. You know, when do you wake up and you go, "Uh oh." Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and
5: uh, and so that's a long answer, but I I don't know what the word is for eroticizing. I have to come up with a word for eroticizing the desire for God and.
0: I like that phrase for drinking. Ton.
5: I've got to find it. Yeah. For drinking.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh,
5: yeah. And and it is. It, I, they're gonna find the gene, bro. I mean it. it Mm-hmm. For particular um, uh, vulnerabilities in the psyche or in the body, for partic- particularly, I think chemical yeah um, addictions. No, there's just no question about it. Yeah. It's there somewhere.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, um, this new book has certainly gotten a ton of attention. There's an enormous amount of buzz here in Nashville. Uh, the list of endorsers on this book is stunning. I, uh, <laughs> what a wild collection of people who have...
2: Uh, I, I, I like the Archbishop of Canterbury best. That was my personal favorite.
0: <laughs> I love that you got Richard Rohr. By the way, uh, uh, do you know Richard? you a friend of his? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm just listening, by the way, to his uh, lecture series on the life of St. Francis, The Art of Letting Go. And yeah. I got a, I, 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 uh, I got it after reading Chasing, Chasing Francis. You whetted my appetite. Yep. Uh,
2: yeah, your list of endorsements is going to resonate with people who are like, Phyllis Tickle, I love her. And then yeah. they'll find someone, they're like, how did that person make the list? I hate them. <laughs> got, like, the most well, I really wanted endorse- that. Oh, you got it! You got it! Yeah, baby. <laughs> uh, when
5: the, I, the Archbishop of Canterbury and I, you know, have have become uh, beginning friends,
3: yeah,
5: um, and he's had me out I mean, out to Canterbury and um, to Land of Palace. I, he he's first of all, he is simply the smartest human being you have ever been in a room with. Oh, really? Not to mention, oh, his academic mind is is stunning, but he's also his primary love is poetry.
3: Mm. so
5: he has these two minds going at the same time. it's crazy. Um, the uh, When he wrote the endorsement and sent it back to me, uh, and I read it, I thought, how am I going to put an endorsement on my book that actually is written better than my book? <laughs> You know, I mean, this guy throws in there, it's about the unfinished business of grace, and I thought, why didn't I come up with that line? I mean, that is just Good. stunning, and you know, I know him well enough that he probably did it on a napkin while driving to get curry somewhere in London, I mean, you know, he he's that smart, uh, and...
2: So anyway, I uh, just just for future future reference, since you made it clear that this uh, memoir is autobiographical fiction, I think you ought to tweak this story because I think the Archbishop of Canterbury would be funnier if he wasn't so smart. So maybe just <laughs>
0: tweak it.
2: Uh, you know, like a, a hillbilly watching right. ESPN. That's funny for the Archbishop of Canada That's
5: right. Well, just, I, you just, know, you, there's been a couple. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you can't tell from the condition of the communion, uh, there have been a couple of dopes along the way that have slowed it down. <laughs> Evolutionary food sharing. Sorry, did
2: you say popes or dopes? This is hard on the Skype thing. <laughs> get the same all the above for that matter <laughs> <laughs> well
0: uh, ian thank you so much for taking time uh out of your family vacation down there to uh to talk with us uh what's the best way now our, our readers can can uh can get the order the book at amazon can they also get it at iancron.com um uh,
5: no, they, they, they really should, uh, they can pre-order it now on Amazon. It'll be available, you know, anywhere. Um, after that, it, it, the audio version of the book comes out the same day. Mm.
0: Um, did you read it? I
5: spent three, I, I did, I spent three days with our mutual friend, Scott Dente. Oh, that's right, I
0: heard that. Yeah, yeah, you recorded it with Dente.
5: Yeah, and you know, that was a remarkably powerful experience. Um mm that I did not anticipate, especially mm-hmm. on the last day. Uh, man, we had to stop recording any number of times where I just simply was so moved and surprised since I'd read it so much. Um, but I'd never read it out loud. Yeah. And it was almost like, with Scott there, I felt like, oh my gosh, I have a confessor here.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
5: it, yeah, it, was, it was very rich. Anyway, you can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you know, <laughs> Whatever, you know, fine books are sold, um, okay.
3: either,
0: yeah. it, it, us, it, it will be available. Right yeah. Ian Cron, C-R-O-N, and the title is "God, My Father, the CIA, and Me." Thanks, yeah. Thanks, Ian. Fact,
5: Jesus, Jesus, my. Father, oh, I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm CIA sorry.
0: Holy smokes! Uh, it's
5: okay. You got. You just wanted to include the entire Trinity, which I appreciate theologically,
0: but it isn't the name of the book. That's right. Uh, yes. <laughs> Holy smokes. Uh, Lord bless you, Ian. Uh, you're about to get extremely busy when this book drops. That uh, would well, be nice. Uh, we're, uh, we're grateful for you. Uh, I'm so glad that you've become, at least for part of each year, uh, a member of uh, our community here in Franklin, Tennessee.
5: Mm, we love it.
0: Good, good. We love it. All right. Well, um, our love to Anne, and uh, we'll catch up with you later. Thanks, Ian. Great.
5: Thanks, you guys. Talk to you soon, I hope. Thanks,
4: Ian. I like to watch All my children play ball Watch them arise If they stumble or fall Nailed at the altar My prayers make them tall Nevertheless Oh Nevertheless I like to eat at my friend causes place A gumbo and red beans A thrust down my face Still the main reason Why I take so much space Nevertheless Oh Nevertheless I'd like to help Richard Johnson reveal Blood damaged homes All for these Starting to sink I know they're bad For my health And they stink Nevertheless
3: oh, Nevertheless
4: I'd like to drive Down the road with my
0: Well, we're going to have to get Ian here In the studio When he's uh, He lives north in, in Connecticut During the summertime But uh, during... Uh, Uh, some of the other months he'll be here in Franklin. we'll have to get him here yeah what a sweet guy uh, and a ton of uh, wisdom and experience and a willingness to speak the truth that is so refreshing yeah yeah
2: yeah great great book for for anyone that likes I almost feel like if they like your book they'll definitely like this book because it had a similar feel of someone telling their story with a lot of very interesting anecdotes that were well written
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. His dad worked for the CIA as an undercover agent. How cool is that? Wow.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh. You finished the book and you're still
0: saying how cool was that? It is. It's extremely cool. I mean, I mean, it. Um, it it didn't mean, turn out good for. No, it didn't turn out good like for much. anybody. <laughs> I mean, but it makes a great story. It does.
1: Yeah. yeah, you don't meet many CIA agents either. So, no, yeah, you don't, yeah. at least you don't know. At least you don't know. But yeah, exactly. We I, may I, we, I, we I, may
0: I, have I, met several CIA agents this morning. I could be one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just
1: not sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I looked in the mirror and said, are you? <laughs> Come on, tell me the truth.
3: That's right. That's I, right. I,
2: love, I, I picked up a tip about uh, if you, what? drink milk, and then swish whiskey around in your mouth, the taste will, or the smell will linger so people will think you're an alcoholic. I learned that from the book, because usually it's only tips on how to not smell like an alcoholic, so I <laughs> felt like, man, that is an unusual tip that I got from this book.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure where I'll
2: use it in my ministry or pastorate, but I've got it on file.
0: Okay. Milk,
2: whiskey swish. There That's you go. Good. That's good. I hope <laughs> that
0: wasn't a plot killer. Okay. No.
1: <laughs> <You're> <laughs> I think people are curious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, time's about up here on episode 57. It's been great, guys. Yeah. And uh, I'll be looking forward to talking with you in a couple weeks. A little post Tanzania. We'll do it again.
1: Yeah. So so everybody email in if you can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Please send us your notes, questions, comments, suggestions to...
1: SamsonPodcast at gmail.com. All right. Till next
0: time, it's Nate, Mondo, and Aaron. Here on the Pirate Monk Podcast.